Do you schedule and host events in the Jewish community? Conferences, webinars, local events? Please consider adding your events to Jcast Network's newest project, the Jewish Communal Events Calendar. Don't schedule events, but know someone who does? Invite them to add their events. If we all work together, we can create another wonderful resource for the Jewish community. Visit our calendar and post your events at jcastnetwork.org slash jcpc. You are listening to The Tish with Rabbi Michael Knopf, a Jcast Network podcast. For more information about Rabbi Michael Knopf, please visit mikenopf.com. For more information about other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. Good evening, everybody. What we're going to talk about tonight is God. And uh, over uh, the next three sessions, um, and hope that you'll be able to join us for for all those three sessions, um, we're going to uh, talk about God, um, uh, not necessarily from a a full historical view um, from the Jewish tradition about what Judaism thinks about God. We're going to really focus in on uh, modern thoughts about God, modern thinking about God uh, within uh, within Judaism, uh, and we're going to um, approach the topic from as many sides as we possibly can, or as big a spectrum as we possibly can um, in uh, in the Jewish tradition. What I'll say, uh, the reasons for why we're focusing on modern Judaism will become apparent in a few moments, uh, and what I mean by as broad a spectrum as we possibly can, um, I, I mean by that... Uh, uh, First, uh, because we, we only have limited time, um, and second, because uh, if you go too far to the right on the Jewish spectrum, um, uh, you know, deep into the Orthodox community, or too far into the left on the Jewish spectrum, which is to say, um, deep into the you know secular humanist uh, uh, side of the of the Jewish tradition, um, there isn't much uh, uh, systematically written about. Uh, about God. I mean, on the le- on the left side, for obvious reasons. Uh, on the right side, for uh, for reasons that will become apparent, I think, in, in a few moments. Okay. And um, why I wanted to address this topic is uh, that we've been spending this whole year uh, working through an educational theme around prayer. Um, and uh, as uh, as uh, some of you may remember, on uh, when I introduced that educational theme. Uh, on Kol Nidre, um, I, uh, I, I, I talked rather bluntly about how um, uh, one of the uh, central issues of prayer, uh, both uh, in terms of people who connect strongly with prayer and people who have challenges with prayer, is the issue of God. Uh, and, you know, uh, I, I'm watching this show on Hulu called The Path. Have you guys uh, heard or seen this show? It's a great show. It's really good. If you have Hulu, you should watch it. Um, about uh, um, a religious cult. Well, they, when you call them religious, when people on the show call them religious cult, they say they're a movement. But, um, so, but the, uh, there's a scene in which um, a, a teenager from the cult is talking to um, another student in his uh, class who's not in the cult, and, uh, uh, and, and she's talking about praying. She's talking about, you know, uh, like just praying at night. And he says, um, uh, who are you praying to? And she doesn't know how to answer the question, right? So, and I think that a lot of us uh, 
are, are, are much like that. You know, we might engage in prayer um, or we might not engage in prayer. And, and one of the reasons, uh, one of the challenges of that experience, of those experiences is um, we don't necessarily know uh, who or what we're praying to or what difference that makes. So, um, so if we're going to spend a whole year talking about prayer, it behooves us to spend a little bit of time uh, speaking about God. As long as I can remember, um, I have been uh, very uh, uh, infatuated with uh, the idea of God and with um, understanding God. Um, some of my uh, uh, best Jewish memories come, as many of us uh, could probably attest to, but some of my best Jewish memories come from my Passover Seder, and I have a very uh, diverse uh, family. And I remember uh, at one Seder, I, I don't know how old I was, I must have been like, you know, five or six years old or seven years old or something like that. And I remember saying something like a, commenting about the man upstairs. And my great grandmother said, like, looked at me incredulously and said, so God is a man. And, and I sort of like, you know, backtracked and I said, no, I, I mean, I mean, the thing upstairs and she said, so God is a thing. Right. And um, and and uh, as the years go on, I have, a, um, a, you know, a family who are uh, not Jewish and family who are atheists and skeptics. And um, and so we'd have these, uh, um, you know, really, really powerful conversations about God talking about you know, what's what's the nature is God a spirit is God inside of us. If God is inside of us, then um, how do you explain uh, God's role in creation or history all those things. So these are complicated issues. And what my great grandmother showed me from a very early age is that it's extremely hard for any of us to talk about God in a meaningful or coherent way. Uh, and we'll, uh, and we'll, we'll see, uh, some, some, uh, thoughts about that in, in just a moment. So, um, I've, I've, for my whole life, um, uh, not, you know, I, I, I wish I could say that as a rabbi, I'm, you know, I have a, a, a firm and solid, uh, and clear, uh, belief and understanding of what God is. Um, but the truth is that I am a, uh, a seeker and striver, uh, for understanding and truth like so many of us. So this is really not only me teaching, uh, but also me exploring along with you um, some of the thinkers and some of the texts that I've um, encountered along the way that have been um, uh, valuable in helping me shape my thinking about God. And that hasn't been limited to a particular stream of Judaism. It also, by the way, hasn't been limited to Judaism uh, itself, nor nor. Uh, uh, should it be, I think, um, God is bigger than any one religion, um, uh, as far as I understand it. So, uh, but we're going to focus on Judaism, uh, together. Okay. So I want to start with, um, with, with two pieces of introduction that I, I think are going to be helpful in framing, uh, what, what we do. So this is the same, uh, paper that I'm passing around the two pieces of introduction on the front and back side of it. So it's, uh, same thing. Um, I, I promise you, you don't need to study it before you pass the next one on to the next person. Right, and this is, um, uh, these are uh, the, the foreword and the introduction of a, um, of a, of a great volume that uh, you can get, you know, easily on Amazon uh, that was put out just a few years ago uh, called, now I can't remember, it's like Jewish Theology in Our Time. Um, is el edited by um, uh, Elliot Cosgrove, whose name is at the bottom of the next sheet, or the, the other side of the sheet. Um, 
and uh, and it's a collection of essays, uh, theological essays from people across the Jewish spectrum. Most of what we're going to study together is probably not going to come from that book. I wanted to study um, uh, uh, more sort of uh, modern classics uh, rather than the cutting edge contemporary people, uh, but we might get into some of them too. I haven't completely planned out sessions two and three, but we're not going to get into uh, anybody in that book tonight. Um, and uh, so, But it's a great volume. Uh, and so uh, Rabbi David J. Wolpe, uh, who's a rabbi in Los Angeles, uh, wrote the foreword, and Elliot Cosgrove, who was the editor of the volume, uh, wrote the introduction. Um, so let's look at that, uh, the, the side that has Rabbi Wolpe's name at the bottom. It's, the top of the page starts with the Jewish people. Can someone uh, read that for us? Yep, thank you. Um, the Jewish people, Abraham Joshua Heschel famously declared, is a messenger that has forgotten its message. In the intervening years, the dilemma has become more acute. We are a people that has largely forgotten that we have a mission. Yeah. Theology is about the restoration of mission as well as the clarification of message. Okay, just want to pause for one second, right? So what we're going to be doing in these sessions is... Uh, <laughs> A branch of philosophy of thought known as theology. Um, uh, theos is uh, the uh, Greek prefix for uh, God, um, uh, which you get in things like atheist, right? Uh, atheist, right? Is uh, is person without a belief in theos. Um, so, and uh, logos is uh, talking about, right? So, theology is talking about God, right? So, maybe that's what I should call the class, talking about God, gabbing about God. Um, so, that's what we're going to be doing. But it's, uh, and, and I'll reiterate this in, in a moment, right? Because um, it's philosophy, um, our language in here, though we're talking about a, a mystical and somewhat ineffable subject, um, I, I want us to strive as best we can to use the language of reason and the language of logic uh, in, in discussing. I want to be able to hold um, the theories and ideas that we're going to be looking at um, as best we can um, through a logical uh, lens, through a rational uh, microscope, a rational prism, um, to figure out, do they make sense? Are they coherent? Do they work? Um, so, uh, so that's what I'm hoping that we'll do. Of course, um, belief in God is not entirely a mental cognitive exercise. There's heart and emotion in it as well. That's fine. Um, but uh, as best we can, um, I want us to, uh, to, to uh, put our uh, rational minds on uh, here. And then what he's, what, what we'll be saying um, is that um, central to, uh, to Jewish tradition historically has been um, a belief in relationship with God. Uh, and he's suggesting that in the modern era, it's possible that many of us have um, uh, neglected or abandoned that uh, traditional part of Judaism or that it requires um, a, a, re a fresh approach or reinterpretation. Um, so we'll, we'll, we can get in more into that in a minute, but why don't you keep going, Gail? Theology is about the restoration of mission as well as the... Yeah, you're fine. It's fine. Um, this is what I believe. That is the marching order of the theological statement. Though couched in complexity, qualification, textual nuance, and sometimes, we hope, elegant prose, the theologian offers a booster shot of belief. In the tangle of life, circumstance, and changing mores, where can a modern Jew stand confident in his or her faith, in his or her Torah? There were times when Torah did battle with a single unified 
ideological opponent. Torah versus Christianity or Islam or Aristotle or the internal rejectionism of the Karaites. Okay, so I, sorry, let me just pause you right there, okay? Um, theology really only emerges when there's conflict, when there's uh, a, a conflict between, or a perceived conflict between uh, the um, inherited texts um, and traditions, uh, inherited wisdom, uh, and uh, learned wisdom or encountered wisdom, right? So uh, pro- when, um, when, when Judaism, uh, in the pre-modern in pre- era, right, before Judaism uh, encountered, uh, let's say, the West, before Judaism encountered uh, the Greeks and, uh, and their philosophy, um, there really was no such thing as theology. Um, uh, the Bible is not theology. The Bible uh, talks about God a lot and says a lot of things about God. Uh, and, mo- and many of those things that the Bible says about God, uh, first of all, some are not coherent with each other, right? Some things uh, uh, don't match up. Uh, th- that's because the uh, the depending on your perspective, either the author or the authors of the, uh, of the Bible were not particularly interested in internal coherence. They were interested in talking about a relationship between God and a particular people uh, working throughout history. That's what they were interested in. Uh, and, uh, and so uh, talking about God in a more systematic way only really became relevant and necessary when Jews began uh, taking those texts and traditions and then encountering other traditions and other faiths. And those traditions uh, saying, how do you know yours is right? Right? How do you know, uh, how, how do you know, how can it stand up against these other ideas and these other traditions that we might have? Right? So Judaism encounters uh, Greek philosophy, it encounters Christianity, it encounters Islam, it encounters all sorts of other uh, uh, systems, uh, and, uh, and, and theology is what emerges in those encounters, uh, in, in those conflicts, right, where, you know, um, Christianity, for example, you know, proposes uh, the, the, you know, the, the resurrection of Jesus as a central uh, tenet of its belief, okay? So Judaism, why don't you believe in that? Right? And so then you have to construct a logical argument based on your traditions that are translatable, right? Because you have to speak the language, the, the common language of reason. You can't just say, well, because the Bible says so. I mean, you can say that, but it's not particularly convincing, right? So that's where theology comes from. Uh, and the, 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 the notion that we, that of striving to understand God, um, I think that that's really important for us to remember because all of us are kind of edgers, right? We, uh, we, we may uh, have grown up in and, and love and are committed to uh, the Jewish tradition, uh, but we also live in, um, in, in the outside world. We also live in, uh, in Western culture. So, um, so we have to uh, in, in some, either sometimes justify our tradition to the folks outside of it, or sometimes we have to harmonize our understanding of the tradition with the with the wisdom and learning we get from the outside for ourselves. Okay, so that's I think the point he's making in in this next statement too. But today, keep going, Gail. But today there are challenges on all fronts: biology, astronomy, comparative religion, sociological study, textual criticism, historical consciousness, and many many others. All right. So just uh, off the top, uh, what are the challenges that classical Jewish thought faces from biology, modern biology. 
<coughs> Good. Can you say more? Why is that a challenge? How, what, what's the other way? Good. That that uh, the Big Bang theory. Let's hold it when we look at astronomy, right? Because I think these are related. But I mean, obviously, they're related phenomena, um, right? So, uh, um, uh, uh, contemporary biology says that life. Um, uh, uh, evolves from other life, right? And uh, and so you know, human beings weren't dropped, you know, fully formed out of the sky or formed from the dust of the earth, as the Bible says, uh, at least not in the literal sense. Um, uh, we uh, descended from uh, primates, from other primates, and they in turn evolved over the course of history from uh, all sorts of different things, uh, and, you know, leading back to single cell organisms in the ocean, right? So that's not the way the Bible tells it. Right? So you have a challenge then from contemporary biology to the Bible. Either you have to reinterpret the Bible, right? What's that? I don't have a problem. Okay, fine. Um, sorry. Uh, the, it is possible that one could theoretically uh, feel a challenge between contemporary biology and, uh, and the Bible uh, that might require either a, a re understanding of the Bible or a re understanding of biology, or maybe both. Uh, but that's a challenge, right? For, for somebody who only grew up in Torah to uh, encounter Darwinian evolution is a major challenge. It's, it's, uh, I mean, it's a challenge. It's a fight that's still being played out and fought uh, today. Okay, um, many of us, by the way, uh, um, I, I suspect, uh, at least on that front, um, we tend not to think too much about Genesis because we are uh, most likely Darwinians, and if you uh, take uh, antibiotics, uh, at least on some level, you're a Darwinian, uh, and uh, um, and so uh, you know we we. we we Jews, uh, because we uh, are often, especially us liberal Jews, we often are persuaded by uh, science. Uh, those of us who uh, strive to maintain uh, the faith of our ancestors sort of uh, cordon off Genesis in another uh, area and don't tend to think about the problematics that those two ideas have simultaneously. Uh, but we're going to encounter those, okay, that, the, those problems. Uh, Astronomy, right? Uh, Gail mentioned, right? The the Big Bang does not. Again, you have a Genesis problem with the Big Bang. Um, it does not seem to be uh, in line with the way uh, Genesis describes the creation of the world, at least not in a literal sense, right? So astronomy, right? Uh, comparative religion. What's the challenge that uh, that Jewish tradition faces from comparative religion? Well, if we have documentation that someone else in the flood narrative. That is not the same. Uh, that does not talk about the, the righteous Noah figure, but talks about someone else being saved for some other reason, as the Babylonian narrative does. Then one might say, "Is this really accurate, or did we steal and tweak it from someone else, and it's not original truth?" Good, right? Uh, so um, it, uh, 
you know, which, 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 which tradition, which narrative, uh, is the accurate one, right? And, uh, um, and, and, and what do we do with the fact that there seem to be, um, uh, similar narratives in other traditions, some of which predate our own? Yeah. Uh, good. Oh, other problems with comparative religion. So are you are you asking can you sorry, can you help me understand a little bit better what you're asking? I'm saying the theory that he just presented from the Babylonian time mm-hmm. and then Noah, but you know, we have been steeped in Noah. Mm-hmm. And if we veer from that and go to well, maybe it was the Babylonian way. Yeah. How do we well, so I guess that that that's why you need theology, right? That's why you. Uh, um, so there's a few there's a few things. First of all, who says that the goal should be to keep your religion intact? Maybe that's not the goal. Uh, um, maybe if the goal if the goal is you know um, is uh, is is ultimate truth, and ultimate truth is defined as you know who got the story first and most accurately. Uh, um, then uh, uh, and and then you say that um, if we find out that, and I know actually people who say that if we find out that the, that there is the Torah doesn't reflect the truth, then we should abandon Torah and we should uh, uh, follow what the actual truth. I actually know Orthodox people who who say that, um, who say that if I were ever to discover a path that was more true than Judaism, I would. Follow that path, right? Um, now they don't actually believe that there's a tradition that's more true than Judaism, and they'll go through any length to prove that Judaism is the true tradition. But so, but I mean, so it, that operates with the premise, right? That Judaism is something worth conserving, worth holding on to. If that's the case, uh, then uh, then then um, you'll have to make an argument with that goal that said, that says something like it doesn't really matter which text comes first or is the most accurate one. Um, these stories aren't about historical fact, right? These are about moral truth or something like that, right? Which impacts uh, your view of God, I would think, right? If God, uh, if, if uh, um, right, what, what's the purpose of the Torah? What was God's role in, uh, in, in, uh, in, in, in the authorship of the Torah, right? All those things are questions that can only be answered through theology. There's another uh, comparative religion, yeah. Well, I mean, there's the question of authenticity, right? I mean, mm-hmm. which, you know, you know, which religion got it right first, you know? I mean, and the idea that there are common themes. Right. Um, there's the concept of a perennial philosophy, which is, you know, um, a theme that runs across several world religions, um, there's the concept of um, the golden rule, mm-hmm. which occurs in multiple different religions. Right. So, you know, is what makes one religion unique, uniquely authentic right. as compared to the others that are offered? 
or or a possibility that that uh, one religion is not necessarily more uniquely authentic than another, and they're all um, uh, equally valid, or right, they all have their own uh, validity, right? But again, right, you uh, you need a theological system to contain that, um, because uh, that's the sort of the the point that I was going to go to next, which is okay, you know, if you live in a pluralistic society where we generally tend to think that people of all religious backgrounds and traditions can be good people. There's nothing inherently uh, uh, bad about, uh, about uh, uh, or, or wrong or inauthentic about another uh, tradition, um, which I, I suspect that at least on some level most of us is a premise that most of us uh, um, uh, operate with, at least in a pluralistic society. Um, uh, so what makes... Judaism special, right? Why, why be Jewish then, right? If, if, you know, if they're all, if they're all basically valid, right? If they're all, you know, they all basically say the same thing, love your neighbor as yourself, then why not be Hindu? Why not just be nothing? Why not be a just love your neighbor as yourself right? What about the spiritual aspect? What about the spiritual aspect? Religion and spirituality can always don't go hand in hand. Okay. You, you have the spiritual side, which most major religions share, mm -hmm. and then you get the church or synagogue or temple or whatever, you get the dogma that goes with being a particular religion as opposed to being children of God. Okay, but so I would... I would... That's, that, that being the children of God, right. all being the same one, is the message... Right. So what? So I, I would say two things. The first is that you've just articulated a particular theology, uh, you right, and uh, and and not, I'm not saying I disagree with that theology. I'm not saying that that theology is wrong, but um, that is not necessarily a theology that every person within every religious tradition would ascribe to. So you have to then make an argument for why you think that that theology is the case. Right? Saying we're all children of God. Um, has uh, several uh, lot. I could I could raise several logical questions about that. Um, who is God? Right? What is God in that conception? What does it mean for us all to be children of God? Are all children of God equal? Uh, if all right, again, you saw the problem. If all children of God are equal, then then uh, uh, then then uh, does it matter which um, which dogma I follow? Um, is there a right dogma? Is one of the children getting it right or getting it wrong? I have another uh, question with with what you said. It's also with what David said, which is I you know I I don't know what the term spirituality means if we're being philosophers. Right, so you have to define that term spirituality. Right, but we can get into that. I don't. Uh, we don't need to get into it right now. I'm just saying, you know, if, if um, you know, so he's saying that there are challenges on all these fronts, right? And uh, to to be uh, thoughtful Jews, he's going to say to be uh, to have Judaism be relevant in the in the modern world where we are grappling with all of these ideas, uh, 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 facts, theories, realities. Um, then in order for Judaism to be relevant, we can't rely on simply saying, because the Bible says so. Um, because, uh, or faith, right? We, I, we can't simply rely on, because that's what I believe. I mean, we can, but it will... Faith, faith is personal. It's different for different well, people. That, that, I mean, that's kind of the question. I mean, faith may be personal, but is, but is accurate faith personal? 
Or is it universal? Who said one faith is better? One is atheist. Well, that's the question. It's a personal faith. That's the between you and the creator. Yes, but you could be. But I mean, the central challenge of religion, perhaps, is the question of well, what if I'm wrong? What if I am on the wrong? What if I am not get on the creator's way? Assuming we have one creator, which we generally do in our faith. Right, so that's uh, that's a, so you're you're right, and and we'll see that here. Uh, theology is personal, right? This is what I believe, but not all theologies are equally valid, right? Uh, at least from the perspective of logical inquiry, right? So I could I could believe in a flying spaghetti monster if I don't hurt anybody with that belief. It's my personal belief. It doesn't really matter, right? Um, but the flying spaghetti monster, by the way, is a favorite uh, metaphor of the neo-atheist movement. Uh, it says that belief in God is basically the same as believing that there is an, uh, an invisible flying spaghetti monster out there. Um, right? Uh, but uh, again, right? so you have, that, you have that challenge. Why is your belief in God different than an imaginary invisible flying spaghetti monster? Right? Okay, so I don't know what that term means. Well, maybe I have, but I'm not sure if what I mean by it is the same as what you mean by it. That's what that's what the language of logic is. Right? That's what the language of reason is. I need you to define the term spirituality for me. Feeling the presence of God. What does that mean? It's a spiritual feeling inside. Uh, You've just used the word spiritual in the definition of the word spiritual. Yeah. Who's that? God. How do you know you've connected with the Creator? Prayer. What's that? I'm in my garden. I see the creation, what God created. How do you know? Because by faith, I accept that. I I was taught that as a child, and when I converted to Judaism, I had a very spiritual experience at Bethel, and it brought me even closer to God in a more surreal way. Okay, so I'm, listen, David, I'm not trying to challenge your personal faith. What, what, what I'm saying is that in, in this space, what I want us to do is hold those ideas up to a microscope. Um, uh, because in order to, uh, we can, you can, any of us can believe whatever we want to believe, uh, certainly as long as it doesn't hurt anybody, right? But the question is, is as Ben put it, um, how do I know that that belief is um, is is Accurate. How do I know that that belief is logical? How do I know that that belief God is? Makes, I don't think God makes mistakes. Okay, yeah, fine. I'm right. making the mistake and thinking that you're connecting with God. No, I, I, I can't describe it. The spiritual feeling is just so intense. R- no, I understand. Things and through music and through the arts. No, I hear you. David, I, I hear you. I'm, I'm really not trying to challenge your, your personal belief. What I'm trying to get us to the place of is. Um, is being precise with our definitions um, and and uh, and and translating our personal spiritual experiences um, for public conversation about what those experiences are and mean. Okay, that's what theology is, right? It's it's taking what's what's intimately personal about my own personal beliefs and bringing it out. That's theologos, right? Theology is talking about it, right? So. You're entitled to your own personal spiritual uh, beliefs and, and practices and connections, uh, but uh, uh, but but if we want to have a public conversation about those things, 
then then we need to translate our terms to each other so that we're all saying the same thing. Uh, and then uh, that invites the possibility that uh, that uh, um, that I need to refine my thinking about uh, uh, about uh, what I'm experiencing um, because not necessarily the possibility that I could be wrong, but maybe I could go deeper. Right? Maybe my understanding could be, uh, uh, maybe I could contextualize that experience in a more nuanced way. Right? So, um, so that's, 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 all, that's all we're saying here. We can, we'll come back to this. All right? um, sociological study. How does sociological study present a challenge to traditional faith? Excellent, right? And uh, uh, you know, you come up with. I, I actually had that conversation last night. With people say like pork is basically fine now because we discovered how to how to cook it without getting trichinosis, right? And uh, and and that sort of argument. Now I mean, you could make that argument. Um, there are all, there are all sorts of other sociological arguments that present challenges to faith, the commonalities between cultures and 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 uh, and the like. Uh, textual criticism. How does textual criticism present a challenge to faith? Pointing out, pointing out apparent contradictions within the Bible. Good. Uh, but when <laughs> you get to a certain level and get deeper into it, their contradictions are not so much for different points, but to bring different lessons forward. And Possibly. Right, possibly, but you'd have to. So you'd have to make you. You would have to uh, then. They would make an argument for me about why that is a logical belief, right? That uh, that the different. Now, don't do it right now, right? But um, but anyway, but you. I'll start with the first thing, right? You have um, apparent uh, textual issues and contradictions and uh, and and analyses of language and things like that. And textual criticism isn't only isn't like, oh, I like this passage or I don't like this passage. Textual criticism uh, deals with things like, you know, the languages um, of, uh, within the five books of Moses are all over the map, and one of the simplest explanations for languages being all over the map um, is, uh, is uh, that multiple people wrote this, right? Uh, or you could say um, a God wrote this and wanted it to sound like a combination of Shakespeare and Chaucer for reasons that God, uh, that, that God wanted. Right. And then you just say what those reasons are and why you believe that. Right. Um, you know, we're, we're going to see tonight, um, an Orthodox thinker who, uh, deals with, I think one of the classic problems of, uh, of textual criticism, which is that there appear to be two, uh, stories of the creation of human beings in the book of Genesis. Uh, one in Genesis chapter one and one in Genesis chapter two. So we're going to have an Orthodox thinker uh, who is uh, developing a theology as a sort of extended commentary on that seeming textual problem, right? Which is a problem that he really only intuits because there are textual critics who say, see, here's evidence that God didn't write the Bible, right? Um, 
But again, you wouldn't really have that theology if there weren't that challenge. Um, what about uh, historical consciousness? How does historical consciousness uh, present a challenge to faith? I'm not sure I know what you mean by historical consciousness. Well, it's what David Wolpe means by it. Yeah, what he means by historical consciousness. I think historical consciousness, the way I understood it was... Um, uh, awareness of history beyond that which is that which is reflected in the biblical narrative. Um, uh, uh, so awareness of of historical narratives and and sources outside the biblical narrative uh, that augment or maybe contradict with the biblical narrative, uh, and awareness in a sort of meta level of um, uh, of of the narrative quality of history. And that uh, uh, histories uh, uh, are often written from different perspectives, um, and so the history of the Bible, uh, the history that's contained with the historical narrative that's contained within the Bible, may only present one of many possible historical perspectives. So, why that perspective, and what is it trying to communicate, etc. Uh, and then there's the um, uh, the the other, I guess, uh, uh, meta issue of history, which is. Um, the development of culture and civilization um, and uh, um, awareness that, uh, that the biblical text uh, reflects um, a particular community at a particular time um, and is, you know, was, was, was popular in that time and even if you don't believe is written at, uh, by people at that time, um, was certainly its immediate target audience was people in a particular time and place, right? So the historical consciousness, I think, is uh, um, uh, about that too. All of which I think um, uh, presents potential challenges to uh, to faith, right? Because uh, I mean, you know, we we have uh, one good example of this coming up, uh, which is uh, Passover. Right? And the author of this uh, forward uh, um, uh, became famous. Uh, sort of, um, uh, by delivering a sermon that uh, questioned the um, authenticity of the historical narrative of the Exodus, which is um, a, a pretty standard issue thing to question the authenticity of uh, in, uh, in you know, uh, uh, ancient history circles. Um, there doesn't seem to be a lot of strong evidence that uh, the, the biblical account um, is an accurate reflection of history, although, of course, the evidence... The absence of evidence is not necessarily an evidence of absence, um, but uh, but but again, right? So so how do you observe Passover? What does Passover mean if the narrative uh, on which that holiday is based is not historically accurate? Okay, so that's a theological challenge. That's a faith challenge. Uh, okay, um, um, Gail, were you going as uh, as Jews in the modern world? Right, good. Embracing the right, but but I want to hear that as Jews in the modern world to ignore the proliferation of challenging disciplines is to declare ourselves irrelevant. In other words, what it's saying, I think, is that you can have your own personal faith, but if uh, if if we are concerned with uh, with with Judaism as a tradition, um, as a faith community. 
um, uh, uh, surviving uh, all of these myriad challenges presented by the contemporary age, then it behooves us to go beyond our personal beliefs and air them out um, in, uh, in, in a coherent way that makes sense of everything we know in the world. Right, that harmonizes or synthesizes, or makes an, that that harmonizes or synthesizes what our faith tells us and what we learn and experience in the world, or that pre- pre- presents a compelling rationale for why what we know from faith is more important or more true than what we're learning or experiencing in the outside world. That's a fair one too, but you still have to make that argument. Yeah. And what happens to? What has held the Jewish people together for all these years over throughout history of time? What is that? If we start changing. Uh, so first of all, I, I, I'm not sure what the what it is that you're referring to that's held Judaism together for all these years throughout all this time. Our and all traditions, these our beliefs, our common, I guess our common beliefs. You know. um, so here, keep... Keep reading, okay? Yeah. <laughs> uh, ultimately, the thread that binds Jewish teaching together is relationship. The Jew must establish a relationship with God, with self, with other Jews, with the non-Jewish world, with the land of Israel, and even with the marvel of creation. The filament that binds us to each of these will be spun differently in the hands of each thinker. None can be ignored. The modern non-orthodox theologian need not begin knowing where he or she must end up. The defensive standard halakhic practice is no longer a given. Perhaps she or he will end up with a modified halakha or a stringent version or none at all. Although governed in some sense by fidelity to the Torah, that fidelity takes all sorts of self-declared forms in the modern age. In addition to theology, Performing the work of clarifying belief, it is crucial for shaping practice. Some will find this swirling cauldron an inspiring joy. Others may find it confusing, even saddening. Why can we not settle on an approach that will bring the Jewish community together, an approach to which we can all subscribe? That's, I think, essentially your question, right? Alas, or thank God, such was never the case in Jewish history. The unity of the past is vastly exaggerated in the collective memory, and it is even less true today. In a modern so I just want to I want to pause there because I think that that's an important point that sometimes gets lost. Um, we we uh, I think um, overstate the degree to which there has ever been uh, uh, unanimity and unity in the Jewish past, um, uh, uh, particularly in terms of thought. What there, what there was uh, for, uh, I don't know, a good thousand years was um, was consensus. I think on the on the premises behind um, uh, uh, um, what was um, the practice of rabbinic Judaism uh, and uh, and the theology, the theological assumptions, although never really the explicit theology. The theological assumptions that informed that practice. So most Jews throughout the world lived in communities uh, where uh, they uh, where they uh, uh, practiced Jewish practices, where they 
did Jewish observances in roughly the same way. Now, that's actually a pretty short window in Jewish history when you take the broad scope of it. Um, uh, Jewish history is, of course, longer than that, and rabbinic Judaism is only the most current iteration of uh, surviving iteration of Judaism. Uh, and that, uh, that lasted really only until modernity. Right when uh, when when Judaism actually encountered the modern world and uh, then was challenged with things like textual criticism and and science and astronomy and things like that uh, and then uh, had a, a relevance problem right so it's not a matter of changing Judaism in order to accommodate the like fads and fashions of the time um, it's a matter of um, understanding. Uh, uh, one's Judaism in a way that makes sense in a, in a contemporary age when when our relationship to the world has changed. Um, so I think that that's sort of what he's saying here. I think that um, uh, we're never and even during that period of <coughs> more uniformity in practice. Although there's not really uniformity in practice, as we were talking about at the beginning of class, Passover is one good example of that. There's not really uniformity in practice of Passover, lots of traditions, right? Um, what there was more uniformity in are the, are, are the foundations of that practice, which is, you know, um, uh, that, that Jewish law is a reflection of the word and will of God, uh, and uh, uh, that was revealed to Moses on Mount Sinai. Um, those were uh, largely um, unassailed, although not uniformly unassailed during that time period. Um, uh, many people thought that it was even uh, uh, blasphemous to articulate any of those beliefs. Maimonides most famously did, uh, but Maimonides in his time was, uh, was, was um, excommunicated by some of the uh, rabbinic authorities of his time for even deigning to uh, write a philosophical treatise about the nature of God. Right, so anyway, they're, 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 the uniform, that's what he means there, the uniformity of the past is over-exaggerated.